This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Aaron Granillo. And I'm Mike Lewis, filling in for Dave Ross. There is one new rule that may have gotten lost in the news of Governor Inslee's tightened restrictions on bars, restaurants, weddings, funerals, and gyms. And that is a new expansion of the mask mandates. This is an expansion of my previous order, which talked about uh, wearing face coverings in public buildings and in outdoors when you could maintain six feet of distance. That's Secretary of Health John Wiesman. He says all Washington residents must now also wear a face covering in common areas at hotels, motels, apartment buildings, and university housing. That includes elevators, the laundry room, and hallways. That rule took effect on Saturday. And one part of Inslee's order is now slightly delayed. The limit on crowds at wedding receptions and funerals will now take effect on August 10th rather than August 6th. This allows for two more weekends for people to hold their planned events. Meanwhile, local health experts have said our state is at a, quote, turning point and concluded that the current rise in coronavirus cases across all of Washington state is explosive. Here is Governor Inslee. Nearly 1,500 Washingtonians have died due to complications of COVID-19. But as of today, more than 50,000 people in our state have tested positive for the disease. And more than 5,000 Washingtonians have had to be hospitalized. Our healthcare system, thankfully, is not yet overwhelmed. But the rise in cases has concerned experts at Fred Hutch, Microsoft, and the Institute for Disease Modeling, and the Washington State Department of Health. They concluded that we are in the early stages of an exponential statewide outbreak with a zero chance of reversal if we don't make collective changes to our behavior. This situation has been described by some of our experts as, as being sort of where Florida was several weeks ago. Those changes include, surprise, more people wearing masks. Yeah, 71% of Americans are now reporting that they are wearing masks in public in a recent self-survey run by HuffPost. Acceptance does seem to be on the rise among both Democrats and Republicans. 92% of Democrats say everyone should wear a mask in public. That's compared with 68% of Republicans. Uh, That number might be going up now that President Trump says masks are patriotic. Have your attitudes about wearing a mask changed over time, Mike, or or since Inslee's mask mandate took effect? Well, I mean, my... my, my I, I would back up way back early in the coronavirus yeah. uh, outbreak. I think that initially I didn't because it was something that you would see all the time. I was in China last year. Hmm. Uh, you saw regularly. You see plenty of people in masks. It's such a common part of, of what people wear when they're out, if they're feeling sick or they're worried about what where they're around. And so I didn't initially. But once I started wearing them, it was very not difficult for me to wear one everywhere. I mean, I don't, if I'm walking in a neighborhood and there's no one around, I take it off that. Yeah. I've never been to China. The closest thing I can tell you though, is I was in the international district right around March, uh, right when like the, the, the whole pandemic was starting and I went into a uh, Wajimaya mm-hmm. and so many of yeah, the Asian exactly. customers were wearing masks and all the white people like me were not, were not at right. the time. It was just, uh, it was an interesting observation. And now looking back at that time, it's like, oh, Makes sense. We should have all been wearing masks back then. Also, we've got a new update on the new Moderna vaccine trial. The vaccine, which uses mRNA to teach your immune system how to find and destroy the virus, has never created a successful vaccine before. Dr. Fauci told reporters they are still going to watch out for negative side effects in this new part of the trial. This will involve 30,000 people. But, he said... He's not particularly concerned about safety. I think we should be concerned about a new poll that I heard this morning that shows 30% of people, only 30% would definitely get the vaccine. I think it was another 20 to 30% said they might, and then it was like 40 to 50 said they just wouldn't. 
So that's about half wonks are are hard no. I'm hoping that when they see people get the vaccine and they start seeing, um, for example, airlines changing (laughs) to (laughs) to vaccine requirements, things like that, which are probably going to follow the vaccine, my guess is that you're going to find a lot more people opting in. Yeah, and and similar to... Our mask conversation at the beginning, not everybody wanted to wear a mask, and now <laughs> at least 90% of Democrats are doing so. True. I would, I would as a caveat, though, uh, there hasn't been an anti-masker movement. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> throughout the United States on Facebook for a period of time, so we'll see what happens. Yesterday on this podcast, we talked a little bit about the Miami Marlins coronavirus uh, outbreak, and it has uh, worsened in the last 24 hours now. Uh, A few more players have tested positive for COVID-19. And instead of Mike and I just uh, rambling about sports, we decided to bring in a uh, an expert, a, a sports talk show host from our sister station, 710 ESPN Seattle, Paul Gallant. He hosts uh, Danny and Gallant on the morning show. What is the latest with the, with the Marlins outbreak now? Well, now the Washington Nationals, who have the Marlins on their schedule in the near future, they don't want to play them. So now you're running into this situation where You've got players on teams that don't want to go into a situation where they could potentially test positive for COVID-19 or run into someone who right. tests positive for COVID-19. And we're also at the same time trying to figure out if the Philadelphia Phillies, who the Marlins played, came into contact with any Marlins and may have contracted it. And right now, we don't know the answer to that. There have been some tests that have been conducted. They've come back negative, but we all know that you could test positive for something a little bit later. Things are very tricky when it comes to actually determining whether or not someone has COVID-19. Couldn't the the Nationals just assume that it would be that the Marlins would lose anyway? I mean, is this really <laughs> going to affect the schedule? You know, this is a theory that I had this morning. I thought to myself, if I'm a player on one of these teams and I'm going up against a team that has had an outbreak the way that the Marlins had, Would I want to forfeit the game? Would I be Mm. cool forfeiting the game? I don't know if that's something that baseball is is considering, but I started thinking to myself, hey, what if the Marlins all of a sudden have just teams forfeit against them left and right and Ah. find themselves in the World Series and winning another undeserved World (laughs) Series, the third that they've brought? Why couldn't we reverse it? Why wouldn't we put the impetus on the team that actually contracts it? They have to forfeit and watch how carefully mm. teams begin to monitor. I mean, literally, you could put it the onus on them. And if you don't, if any of your players test positive, sorry, you're forfeiting. These are some ideas that baseball needs to think about. And that's what I wonder about because of all of the commissioners in sports, I would say that Rob Manfred is the one that I don't trust mm. with decision making right now. It seems especially going just back to the negotiations that the players and the owners had about just returning to play, that his handle on things is loose at best. And if you want to actually have a season continue, you're going to need to start making some really difficult decisions. And it feels like he is just sitting back and saying, well, hopefully we're going to find things differently about the Marlins. I Mm -hmm. mean, just yesterday, just on Monday, he had said, okay, well, if if some of these tests end up changing, the results end up changing, then the Marlins could be back in action before the end of the week. <laughs> okay, that doesn't seem like a great idea. Yeah, I, I asked Mike yesterday if he thought the baseball season was just doomed now, and he said yes. What do you think, Paul? 
It's in rough shape right now. And look, this is this was going to happen. I don't think baseball thought it was going to happen this quickly. Right. And now they have to adapt all of their protocols about how they take care of things as quickly as they can. There was going to be a learning process, I think, for every single sports league. I, I just don't think that anyone thought that this would happen this quickly. And perhaps that was foolish on their part. In one way, I actually anticipated that baseball was better suited, I mean, other than leadership, was better suited uh, to deal with the pandemic than most because you don't come into much contact. I mean, baseball players have a fair bit of social distancing on an average game pre-pandemic. I mean, first base, when you get to first base, I mean, there are individual plays, but it's not like basketball, not like football in that I would assume that if anyone should be able to control it to some degree, it should be baseball. You would think because they've also outlawed things that we've seen in baseball forever, like spitting. Yeah, you're not supposed to argue with an umpire anymore because you might end up getting a little spackle in the umpire's face as well. So you're right. You would think that they would have this down pat. But the problem is, in my opinion, baseball did not do a bubble. When you have a team playing in Miami in a hotbed area like South Florida with Mm -hmm. the way things are going right now, you got a team full of of 25 to 30 players. Some of them are young you're in Miami. Yeah. I mean, difficult. If you're a young person with money in Miami, are how seriously are you going to take some of the orders that are being put in place and the teams are not ordering these players to self-quarantine because the players union is so strong and would probably take issue with that. And since there's no bubble situation either, I I don't know how you keep these guys from being their own worst enemy. Yeah. Before, before you leave, I just want to just mention one more note about the Seahawks. Uh, and at least one player is now Chance deciding yeah, to sit out. What, what is his reason for not playing? Well, it, look, it seems that he's someone that is wondering long and hard about yeah. whether or not he makes this roster. And I think that's, a, that's yeah. a case for a lot of offensive linemen on the Seahawks. Do you want to go through the process of trying out for a team, which is essentially what Warmack is doing, and a lot of other Seahawks offensive linemen? They've got a ton on the roster right now. When you're someone who was a former first-round pick and you have money, is it really worth it? This is what I'm thinking he's going through. I, I, I haven't heard mm-hmm. his own rationale on it, but would you want to go through all of the toils of training camp only to find out that you're not going to make a roster and potentially putting yourself, your family at risk for testing positive in a contact-heavy sport? I'm curious as to what other players, guys, might end up opting out as well because we've seen a lot of players and named players. In fact, six New England Patriots have opted out already. I think the more players that opt out, the more other players are going to feel comfortable opting out and not feeling like they're letting their teammates down or things like that. So my understanding is is Chance Womack is not playing because he may have lost a family member to COVID-19? Yeah, and if that's the case, I mean, totally understandable. And how many other players know people, acquaintances, whether they be friends, family members of friends that have gone through the same thing? I think we all know somebody that has been touched by this disease in some way, shape, or form. I know right here in in, in 710 ESPN Seattle, Taylor Jacobs, his father, had it. His father was able to beat it. I I think when you see what it has done to some of these people as well and how difficult it is to beat and that you're on a ventilator in some situations, if you are able to even make it through the worst cases of it, it's it's something that you have to think about, whether it's just your, your... extended family or even your immediate family so i would not envy being these players because on the same end you're a provider you want to get paid you want to provide for your family what do you do in this situation
Paul Gallant, co-host of Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thanks. Aaron, Mike, thank you. Thank you.